0: Some churches allow me to preach without wearing a harness, but I always get my harness put on when I come here. (laughs) One year ago this weekend, I stood here for the first time to preach, and I've been coming back and coming back and coming back so often ever since. Something's happened between this congregation and me. I can't quite explain it, but I love it. Uh, They've taken me to their hearts, and I've taken them to my heart. You know, for 38 years, I was the pastor of Government Baptist Church. I've been preaching for over 50 years, but never before have I done what I've been asked to do this morning. Preach at an anniversary of a wedding. And one couple persuaded me to marry them on a Sunday morning. So we built the morning service around the wedding, and it was a great success. I recommend it. It was only once I did it, but it was a good thing to do once in a while. A year ago I began coming here and in the course of time, fairly soon after I first came, if not the first visit, I met Joe and Sheila. And they decided many months ago that they wanted to do something special on the occasion of their Ruby wedding. Why have they decided to do something which really is pretty unusual? to celebrate their Ruby wedding in the context of a service of worship. Why? Because they want to honour the Lord as they have done throughout their Christian lives and they are doing it today. And one of the great promises in Scripture, as many of you will know, is the promise from God, those who honour me, I will honour. So you're in line for more honours, Joe and Sheila, from the Lord. He loves you. So congratulations and a very happy anniversary to you both. Because this is an unusual occasion, uh, the Lord has given me a kind of unusual format. It's not quite the the, the way I usually go about preaching, but never mind. Why get married anyway? Hmm, why get married? Well, some people marry for the wrong reasons, let's face it. Some people are foolish enough to marry for money. They get their eye on a prospective marriage partner and they get to know somehow that there's a lot of money attached to that person and they say, ah! And of course, before you know where you are, they're married and one person has got hands on more money than they had before. Not a good idea. Not a good reason for marrying. We would all agree, I think, that the obvious and correct reason for marrying is because two people have fallen in love a very famous Christian many years ago said for me to know the Lord Jesus Christ is a love affair and that's how it should be because as we were reminded already this morning the church is the bride of Christ he is the bridegroom we are the bride I want to read one or two verses from Mark's Gospel Mark chapter 1 reading from verse 9 Mark is telling us about the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. He does not record the birth of Jesus as other gospel writers do. But here we are breaking into what Mark says about our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9 of Mark chapter 1. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days being tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into this lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left the nets and they followed him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can open the pages of a very special book. And we could read there about a very special person. Your own beloved son, whom you sent into the world, as the Lamb of God who would take away our sins. We want to meet afresh with the Lord Jesus this morning. And we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit. For me as I speak and for all of us as we listen, as we think, as we respond. Please help us to receive from you all you want to give to us, in Jesus' name. Sometimes over the years when I have been seeking to talk to someone who was not a Christian uh, and seeking to interest them in the Lord Jesus Christ, they would, by way of defending themselves and putting me off, say, well, I'm not religious, at which point I would smile broadly or laugh and say, well, that's wonderful, because neither am I. It's not about being religious. Becoming a Christian and knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is all about a relationship. And yes, the relationship between man and wife is parallel in the sense of the relationship between the Lord Jesus and his church. In either case, how does it all begin? Well, what the Lord has guided me to give you, and it's typical of my preaching in this respect, it has three headings and some subheadings, it all begins... With a new revelation. Ah. Man meets girl, boy meets girl, man meets woman. And the man sees in that woman someone whom he really wants to get to know. She seems a very desirable potential marriage partner. Mm-hmm. In Australia, I met a couple, the husband of Australian, the wife of English. Years ago she went out from the UK to work in Sydney and acquired accommodation. She went to a letting agent and the man behind the desk was able to get her organised with a suitable accommodation. And the man went home to his parents that evening and said, Today, I have met the girl I'm going to marry. And he did. He did. And they're still together. It doesn't always happen quite, quite as quickly as that. It may not be a first meeting. It may be you meet someone whom you've known maybe for years, and you've enjoyed their company, and you've enjoyed their friendship, but all of a sudden you begin to feel, hmm, yes, this person might be a very suitable marriage partner. The same is true with our coming to know Jesus. You see, many of us, of my age at least, heard about Jesus in school. when There were children we had to learn Bible stories and say the Lord's Prayer and so on and so forth. And many people who begin that way, they just put Jesus aside as they grow older and say, Well, I don't really want to get involved. Thank you very much. Now, the prophet Isaiah, who wrote about 700 years before our Lord Jesus came into the world, was guided by God to write a most marvellous description of the person who would come from God, the Saviour, the Messiah, and save people from their sins. And in that description he included these words. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, unfamiliar with suffering. But, but, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Just picture our Lord Jesus nailed to the cross. He has been cruelly flogged and beaten and his body is a mess. A blood-stained mess. And he is now nailed to a wooden cross. Attractive? I don't think so. It seemed to those who observed what was going on that the mission of this particular person had failed and failed totally. He ends up crucified on a Roman cross. Ah, but even then, the thief who died beside Jesus, there were two one on the other side. One of those thieves recognized in Jesus someone very special. He had heard Jesus pray as he was being crucified. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he had heard Jesus pray. And so, not surprisingly, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And to him, Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. You see, when we're given a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just seeing his name in print in our Bibles, not even just hearing a preacher talking about him, but a revelation in which God, by his Spirit, is opening our spiritual eyes and we see Jesus like never before, Ah, that's different. And we see someone infinitely desirable. Why? For several reasons. First of all, no one has ever loved us, or ever will love us, or ever could love us, as God loves us, as God loved us through his Son and by his Spirit. The love of God, you see, is totally unique. His heavenly love is perfect love. It has no strings attached. It is absolutely Unconditional. There is nothing we can do to deserve it. And there is nothing that we can do to keep it away from us. His love is so strong and so unconditional. So the Apostle John can write about Jesus. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This morning as we meet in a joyful situation here in this hall in this church, all over the world, as you know very well, there are people suffering most horribly Experiencing the most appalling cruelty. The world for many is a very sad, a very bad place to be. And, and, it has all developed from one thing. And that is man's desire to be independent. Someone has said the real problem is not sin. The real problem is independence. As Isaiah wrote, we've all turned to our own way. As the singer sang, I did it my way and that's fatal it doesn't work the result of our sin is suffering for many many people including ourselves from time to time so whether it's falling in love and preparing for marriage or whether it's getting to know Jesus it begins with a new revelation of someone who is desirable and of someone who is available aha (laughs) aha an old widower like me, or, or a young man and, uh, looking for a partner in marriage, sees someone who is both, uh, well, who sees someone who, yes, is, is, is very desirable. When he sees the wedding ring, he says, uh-oh, oh, she's not available. <laughs> but they say, Jesus is available. He is totally available. Absolutely available. What happened on Easter Sunday morning? The woman who loved about, loved the Lord Jesus went to the tomb with spices to anoint his body. But there was no body! Because he'd been raised from the dead. The angel said, We're looking for the living among the dead. He's not here, he's alive. And years later, the old apostle John, exiled on the island of Patmos, had a marvelous revelation of Jesus. Jesus in all his glory, his ascended glory, was revealed to John. And John says, I fell at his feet like somebody who's dead. And Jesus spoke to him and said, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. But I am alive forevermore. And Jesus Christ today, 2,000 years later, is still the only hope, but the real hope, of a world that foolishly has rebelled against God and decided to ignore him. And this is the Jesus who has come to join us this morning. What did Jesus say? Said what two or three have been literally led together into my name. I'm there. I'm there. We have his promise. He's amongst us. He's with us. Because he is gloriously alive. And he is speaking to us. You see, we read in Mark's Gospel the very words that Jesus began to speak at the beginning of his ministry. The time has come, he said. This is a special moment in time. The kingdom of God is near. In my understanding of this phrase, the kingdom of God, I firmly believe it's best understood as the kingly power of God breaking into situations and transforming them. And Jesus begins his ministry with these words and then says this, Repent and believe the good news. Ah, a call to change our lives, a call to change our way of thinking. And it all begins up here because the word repentance means a change of mind. And when Jesus lovingly confronts us he says you can have a new life with me but you'll have to change your mind will have to change your life will have to change it'll be great it'll be glorious but it will require change and praise God many years ago Joe and Sheila experienced that life-changing experience of coming to Jesus Repenting, turning their back on a life that was self centered, at least in part before that. And now surrendering themselves to the rightful lordship of the King of Kings. Oh, yes. Begins with a new revelation someone who's desirable and someone who's available. And it begets a new response in us. Somebody we used to ignore. The girl we thought, well, she was all right, but I don't want to marry her. Or the Lord Jesus whom we knew about but said, no, I don't want him in my life, used to ignore them. But we find a new response of desire being awakened in our hearts. And we have a, when we have a real God-given revelation of Jesus, when we see him as he truly is, the Son of God, who took a body of flesh like ours, that he might bear our sins in his body on a tree and bring us to his Father. Oh, nobody, nobody is able to do this for us but only Jesus and so we find ourselves desiring to know this Jesus think of the Apostle Paul before and after he met Jesus the Apostle Paul was a highly educated Jew an absolute fanatic and he thought the Christian church was an absolute menace with a sect, a cult and ought to be wiped out and he personally set about trying to wipe it out And it seemed one day Jesus thought, well, we've had enough of this. And as Saul of Tarsus was heading for Damascus, looking for more Christians whom he could persecute, at midday he was confronted by a light more powerful than the midday sun, and he fell to the ground and he was blinded there and then. And he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting and the Lord said these words to me once coming down the road from Oban, after a holiday in Oban many many years ago, It's one of the ways in which God spoke to me why, why are you persecuting me, why are you killing me out of your life, you need me so much so, that was Saul before he became a Christian, totally opposed to Jesus and everything to do with Jesus but after he becomes a Christian, he is writing to the first Christian church in Europe at Philippi What's he saying? He says, for me to live is Christ. That's the person I live for. I wouldn't want to go on living without him. For me to live is Christ. And having known the Lord Jesus Christ for years at this point, he writes in that same letter, I want to know him more. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. He couldn't get enough of Jesus in his life. Well, well. A new response of desire, but that new desire is linked to a new dependence. You see, it isn't just that Jesus is a wonderful person to know, of course he is, but he's the only person who can bring us to God. I don't know most of you here this morning, but God does, and you know your own heart. You know whether or not you've yet had a personal encounter with Jesus that has changed your life, Joe and Sheila have had, I have had, many of us have had. And it's so wonderful and wonderful. That's why we keep talking about it. And that desire for Jesus awakens in us also a new dependence on Jesus. Not just as the one person who can bring us to God, but as the one person who can safely guide and direct us and empower us through life. And in that same letter, I've quoted twice already from it, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me huh. is that not wonderful? of course it is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me we read sometimes in scripture words that seem too good to be true and Paul said to the Christians in Rome he said we, we Christians we are more than conquerors through him who loved us is that the way you feel this morning? more than a conqueror life, yes I can cope with life because I've got the Lord Jesus Christ I'm not defeated, I'm more than a conqueror in him who loved me in my old age, in my increasing frailty, which is not very obvious yet I know, but I find myself more and more frequently uttering very short prayers and the prayer that I pray many times throughout the day consists of three short words help me Jesus help me Jesus oh I prayed that before I came here this morning I wouldn't dare come without him help me Jesus and he does He does. so this new response in our hearts when we have a revelation of Jesus is a response of desire and of dependence we're happy to admit we're happy to confess we want the world to know but the person who makes us tick the person who keeps us going the person who thrills our souls is Jesus Hallelujah. What a Savior. I wonder if you did know him this morning. Maybe someone who came to know him many years ago, but over the years, it drifted away wee bit. easily done. Happens so often. People who profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ and really seem to know him in an earlier in life, something happens, things change, and after a while they disappear. They don't come to worship the Lord anymore. As far as we know, they don't read the Bible anymore. They don't talk about prayer anymore if that's you as the Lord Jesus calling you tucking at your heartstrings this morning a new response of desire and dependence and finally this blossoms blossoms into a new relationship begins with a new revelation begets a new response and blossoms into a new relationship of love of love the apostle Paul you see who had been so filled with hatred for Jesus before he'd get to know him he wrote in one of his letters the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me it's as if he couldn't get over it it was just still so wonderful he couldn't get over it Son of God loved me and gave himself for me and the older I get and the longer I know Jesus the more I too feel I can hardly believe it the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me that love is not only something of the past it's something of the present and of the future because the Apostle John writing at the beginning of the book of Revelation gets carried away and he thinks about Jesus and he begins to write about Jesus and he says to him who loves us present tense goes on loving us and has freed us from our sins that's how he feels about Jesus before Peter became the privileged preacher who preached on the day of Pentecost and the Spirit of God fell on the other church and 3,000 people turned to Christ in one day this man Peter had been with Jesus as one of his disciples, one of his friends for more than three years and yet when Jesus was on trial it wasn't a good idea to be identified with Jesus because he was in deep trouble and three times people suggested to Peter that you're one of his friends you're one of Jesus guys aren't you? no he denied them absolutely three times over and then, of course, cried his eyes out when they realized what he had done. Did Jesus write him off? Oh no. There was a private meeting between them and when Jesus was raised from the dead, we know nothing about that meeting except that it took place. And then sometime later, some of the disciples had breakfast with Jesus, the risen Jesus, on the shore of Galilee. And after breakfast, Jesus took Peter aside and asked him a very personal, pointed question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You see, he wasn't asking him, Have you a strong faith in me? He doesn't ask him, Are you willing to sacrifice for me? He's testing one area of the relationship. Do you love me? And Peter said, yes. And Peter was privileged to be that man who preached on the day of Pentecost and saw a great influx into the early church of Christ. This new relationship is a relationship of love. Of course it operates by faith. We exercise faith in Him, But the cement is love. 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 It not only blossoms into a new relationship of love, But it's a new relationship for life. Human relationships come and go. I know all about that. I lost my beloved wife 49 years, 5 years ago. Some relationships are not for life. They come to an end. But our relationship with Jesus is for life, for eternal life. Jesus said, I know my sheep. I hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me and I give them eternal life. And they'll never perish. Hmm... Let me finish a little story. A friend of mine, now in heaven, became many years ago, like me, a Baptist minister. But his early life was marred by crime. He progressed from a probe school to Boston to prison and eventually was discharged from Perth prison and made his way to Inverness. Found accommodation in Inverness somewhere and one night in his room, He looked out of his bedroom window and he could see from his bedroom window the town clock and the hands were just about to reach midnight. And in that moment, God spoke to him. God made him sense very powerfully it's time, it's time. Just like Jesus said, the time has come. It's time for action, it's time for change. And Laurie Denison remember the little chorus he had learned in Sunday school and the slightly or somewhat hardened criminal you could almost see it in his face I met him not long after he became a Christian this somewhat hardened criminal prayed that little chorus as his prayer into my heart, into my heart come into my heart Lord Jesus come in to stay take sin away come into my heart Lord Jesus and what did Jesus do? Jesus came in and called Lloyd to become a pastor and preacher and he preached with passion because he knew the kind of change that Jesus Christ makes in the lives of those who know him let me remind you of these three words we read from Mark's Gospel chapter 1 repent and believe and then the word follow Jesus said come follow me we can never know Jesus until we come to him and I'm asking you lovingly tenderly do you really really know this Lord Jesus Christ who has transformed and blessed the lives of Joe and Sheila blessed my life. Do you really know Him? It's so easy. It's so simple. To surrender our life to Him. We have nothing to lose. And we have so much to gain. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess, we find it hard to believe that you do really love us enough to have sent your Son from the glory of your presence to be mocked and misunderstood on planet earth and nailed to a cross where he bore our sins in his body on that tree. We thank you for this supreme evidence of your love. We thank you for this great answer to our need because he has put sin away from the lives of all who come to him. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will draw us closer to Jesus if we already know him. And draw us to him for the first time if we don't know him. In Jesus' name. Amen.